Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. ground troops spinning around smartly on the planet we are the ufo association and tonight we have jan aldrich who is one of our world travelers around the world and he has 50 years experience in and out of uniform with our american in the united states of america as uh jan aldrich And I'm Teresa J. Morris. I've also got, well, my 50 years in, I guess you could say, with the government. Probably never get out. That's what they say anyway. So we're going to share some updates on uh, how Jan's been doing fairing. He's been over out of uh, Massachusetts. I'm out of Florida. I'm out of Gulf Breeze, Florida, across the Three Mile Bridge from Naval Air Station, Pensacola, Florida, if you want to know where we are broadcasting out of up to New York City, New York, and um, Jan is in Canterbury, uh, Connecticut, I believe, and Jan is a male, and he has been with us a very, very long time on the planet working in the UFO industry. Yes, there is a bona fide UFO industry, uh, ufology, if you will. For those that like to study UFOs, we have alienology, cosmetology, <laughs> cosmology. Uh, we have cosmetology too. <laughs> cosmology, right? But uh, alienology is taking a large uh, step into the future now with movies and books and TVs and then fandom and gaming. And uh, we as developers keep up with all of that in our open source intelligence. And how we're all creating all the new uh, universes out there in space, in the expanse. And right now, I don't see Jan. Let me, uh, Jan, if you're there, let me update. No, you're still not here. Huh. 
Well, I just talked to him on the phone, so gave him the number to call in, but I may have to call him. Uh, let's see if I can do that. I'll have to look up his phone number again. Let me see if I can get him on here. Uh, he may be having trouble getting in. Let's see, I just called him, so I'll go to the keypad and let uh, he can introduce himself when he gets here. But for all those internationally that are listening with all the changes we have in the world, uh, we have an artist group of uh, researchers, uh, archivists, historians. Oh, here he comes. I think this is him. And uh, Jan can tell us all about that, and then we'll discuss CUFOs, NICAP, et cetera. But uh, here at the UFO Association, we have UAP associates at all levels. And Jan keeps us informed of the uh, intelligence agencies and the woman running all that for us in the last one or two. But he's been out there researching in other states. So we'll have a narrative here that progresses like the nuts and bolts of the history, research, and development with all the various groups that help the National Archives, which have been in the mainstream news lately for collecting uh, <laughs> uh, information that apparently belongs to our country in the United States of America. And some of it is secret, top secret, and uh, SCI. And so uh, he knows all about that, as do I. He was U.S. Army and I was U.S. Navy, but I worked joint Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, got to wear all the uniforms, special project that came out. And uh, so I was out and in and out and in and as a GS as well. But we're going to share as veterans and members of the former UFO groups of CUFOs, NICAP, MUFON, and where we pay our dues here and there to combine our histories and to help uh, collect uh, newspaper clippings and uh, people's stories of uh, sightings and experiencers and people that have testimonies. And we represent UFO Association together with uh, Dr. Bruce McAbee of the A Alien Contact Organization and the Allied Command and Government Relations among our veterans, including all American veterans, and all those that have worked in the GS and been interested in UFO stories, ancient history, older book publishers, and uh, lived in libraries. And he walks around and talks. He actually walks his talk, Jan Aldrich. She goes out, literally pays us with his own money, and works with our UFO association to get all the information of uh that he can find that was mainstream. And I was introduced to J. Allen Hynek. 1985 was the last time I saw him. And so Jan Aldrich and I have been working with KUFOs, uh, I think, since then. But let me get Jan on and ask Jan. Hi. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I just finished uh, one research trip to... Uh, to the uh, University of uh, Wyoming, and uh, uh, what they have there is uh, Dr. Richard Haynes' uh, case files for aircraft and UFO encounters. Um, he's got about 3,000 cases 
some are pilot and crew uh, sightings of UFOs. Some are passengers, and some are close uh, approaches uh, witnessed from the ground. In other words, uh, UFO are going close to an aircraft. Um, his, uh, there's about um, uh, 22 boxes in his collection at the University of Wyoming. He has a similar number of boxes at another university, Rice University in Texas. Uh, it's more or less about a uh, an organization that uh, he belonged to, uh, uh, NARCAP, uh, uh, which uh, was interested in aviation safety. In other words, um, there are there's a list of about. 600 cases where the uh, UFO will cross paths of a, of a, a uh, an aircraft, uh, appear on a collision course with the aircraft, um, pace the aircraft, or uh, go around the aircraft. Um, all of these are the pilots, you know, all of a sudden unexpectedly encounters a UFO, which uh, sort of threatens his, uh, the course he's on. And um, from World War II to the current time, there's been about 600 of these cases. Um, and um, the French National Space Agency has made a catalog of these uh, from items that uh, uh, Dr. Richard Haynes had or in the possession of the French Space Agency or um, in the Project Blue Book uh, cases and things like that. So there's, uh, over the years, there's been quite a number of these things. And to a certain extent, that's a, that's one thing they're interested in is um, uh, incidents in which there's a, 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 a possible danger of, of uh, close approach, which would, could uh, lead to an accident. So that's one aspect of um, aircraft and UFOs, and of course the others are um, uh, military aircraft chasing um, uh, UFOs or UAPs, and of course then we have... Uh, uh, other attempts to uh, to get closer or 
to uh, <clears throat> photograph or uh, get, make radar contact with uh, UIPs. And so uh, Dr. Haynes made it his life work to collect all these cases he could. He had about 3,400 cases where aircraft and UFOs were involved in some way. Um, and like I say, about 600 of those are really um, somewhat threatening or um, very, very near um, the paths of the aircraft, which causes the uh, pilots to you know worry about uh, air safety. Um, I didn't go through all of the 3,400 uh, 3, cases that he had on file. I probably went through about uh, close to 2,000, so I still have more to go. <clears throat> this is my second time out at the University of Wyoming. Um, and like I said before that, I went to Rice University, which has a lot of other... Um, aircraft and uh, UFO cases which uh, have been analyzed more thoroughly than these and of course uh, part of his uh, UFO organization although he never called it a UFO organization he, he started using uh, UAP uh, before the government did he started in uh, 1980, uh, and he called these things UAPs because uh, unidentified uh, flying objects connotate some kind of object, while uh, UAP is some kind of phenomenon, so it needn't be necessarily a uh, nut and bolt stuff. That's basically where I've been. I've been to uh, Rice University first and then out to uh, University of Wyoming. So I think uh, um, about uh, <clears throat> two and a half months altogether, I need to go for another uh, month, I think, out to the University of Wyoming next year sometime. And I'll finish up... Uh, his case files, they're, they're extremely interesting. That, of course, that's not the only thing we're doing. Uh, hopefully, I will get down to uh, Yale University um, later on this year before the snow flies and uh, do some research in, uh, in uh, African papers, which uh, is a, kind of a neglected area as far as UFOs go. I mean, there are some things, to, uh, some UFO reports from Africa, but not to the extent that, say, Europe or the United States or South America, Australia have. And that's because there's, uh, there's not really a lot of UFO organizations in Africa, and there's... Um, 
newspapers uh, uh, are are few and far between that are uh, printed in English or French. Uh, so it's it's a little more difficult to get uh, cases from Africa. Now, where would they now? Can you tell us the history? I'm looking at the Center for UFO Research in North Carolina, but they have a Facebook page. In our UFO Association, we're going to have to grow. I see you're uh, one of the, it says, became friends, uh, you and I are, with Teresa Jeanette Thurman Morris, Brett Luter for the ACO. Now, we've had the ACO folks here, and we work with the UFO Association, which we started. But I guess Jan and I have to claim uh directors because right now we're so uh disorganized with all these groups and we're doing the best we can in social media but there's just not a lot of volunteers communicating other than on social media so uh it's because it's free it was hard to organize volunteers but tell us a little bit about this you're part of this National Aviation Reporting Center of Anomalous Phenomena, are you not? Because UFO Association, you and I started, but it was really started, folks, back a long, long time ago. And uh, when, I don't know, let's start from the beginning. This is even confusing me because we're now saying we're going to add aviation professionals with uh, NARCAP, and uh, they're putting on UAP folks. NARCAP.org, and then, you know, Jane and I have UFO Association, but we're going to do our best. we got to have backlinks in our research, but it's, this is a huge task that we're doing, and now everybody else is sharing, so it's still going to be everywhere. So <laughs> I keep telling him I'm going to try to get all the backlinks. So you help us. When did we – when did you personally – feel like this pilot reporting because John Lear was a part of this. I'm trying to put this together for our Eastfield Press Club, Jan, for all those like me that are journalists, but we're, I'm also an experiencer, folks. So it's a very confusing uh, task here to be a journalist, investigator all my life, pretty much, <laughs> and then be a volunteer with Jan to present oral reports for the Ace Folk Life. Help me out, Jan. How do you involve – are you involved – you pay your dues to NARCAP.org, or do you just make a report? I am not involved them? with NARCAP uh, at all. Dot org. I, I, I'm okay. not a member, and uh, uh, what what happened is uh, Richard Haynes uh, worked as a consultant for uh, – he's a, he's a doctor – uh, he's uh, he's uh, he's not a medical doctor. He's a PhD, and he was a consultant for um, NASA, okay. National Aeronautics and Space Administration. He was a consultant. While he was in his consultancy, he started to collect these uh, UFO aircraft encounter cases. And uh, he has a he has a uh, a, uh, a lot of contacts all over the world. So uh, uh, 
uh, he he was instrumental in forming NARCAP and uh, from forming that organization um, he started to get contacts with uh, uh, in England France Germany Italy um, Chile uh, Brazil, Mexico, um, uh, and uh, occasionally certain other uh, countries. Um, in Chile, they have an official UFO investigation. It involves the military and government scientists in Chile. And so uh, he was... Um, he made contact with them, so they've been exchanging information for uh, somewhere around 20, 25 years. Um, and like I said, there's uh, organizations, or uh, there's uh, affiliates around the world. In other words, uh, NARCAP only investigates cases in the United States. Uh, they don't... Uh, presume to investigate cases in other countries, but they have affiliates in these countries that investigate cases in the country. So um, it sounds like a kind of complicated uh, thing, but what it is is you don't want to uh, interfere in investigations where there's air safety involved in other countries, it seems, you know, so um, if you have people in Chile, they would investigate the cases in Chile and people in Brazil and Mexico. Um, so we have, uh, there's there seems to be a lot of cases in Mexico. Um, so... <clears throat> Uh, two of the investigators down there, uh, uh, man, uh, Salazar, uh, he works at the uh, Me uh, Mexico City International Airport. And uh, uh, Carlos Guzman, he works, he's also involved in aviation. So they've written a book, which has been translated into English just uh some a uh, few years ago, called uh, um, uh, UFO Encounters in Mexico. Uh, now it's in English, so people can read about it. And uh, Mexico, even though it's a neighbor of North America, I mean in, of uh, U.S. in North America, uh, a lot of the cases in Mexico are not well known. So this book has been translated into uh, English and it's very interesting because it has the same kind of cases that you would expect uh, to find here in, in the United States. Uh, um, uh, cases involving uh, instruments being affected, um, radar cases, uh, uh, 
plane chases, just what you have in the United States, but the, for some reason, the Mexican, we're right next door and we're neighbors and we don't know what's going on there. So uh, uh, these two uh, aviation experts in Mexico uh, affiliated with NARCAP, and so then we have a number of cases. Uh, since one guy is right at the airport in Mexico City, he has contact with uh, pilots all around the world. So, say, pilot flying in from Indonesia is in one case. Um, he was interviewed by Senor Salazar about a, uh, an incident he had over the Pacific. Um, and like I said, it's pretty well, a lot of these cases are pretty well unknown in the United States. So um, since it's, uh, Mexico City is an international airport, you encounter pilots from all over. Um, also, the uh, the French government has a uh, a UFO project that is run by the uh, National Space Agency in France, um, and uh, Dominic Weinstein uh, collects uh, aircraft UFO encounters not only in France but. A lot of French-speaking Africa, Polynesia, um, and other countries, and of course Paris is a giant international airport, so it's things get reported there. Pilots fly into France from all over the place, and uh, they have reports, and they those are collected. So the you know, French space agency has a, a large collection of UFO reports. Uh, uh, Dominic Weinstein's made contact with, uh, in some of the former French colonies, so like uh, uh, Zaire and uh, uh, Madagascar, um, there's a small island off of Air, uh, Africa that's called Reunion, and uh, that's a French, still a uh, part of France. And they, for some reason, there seems to be a number of cases, not only in air in the air around Reunion, which is like a small island out in the Indian Ocean, uh, but also on the ground the. Uh, uh, the gendarmes or the police there uh, record uh, record cases in their uh, police logs. So uh, by having uh, native speakers do some of this work, uh, you have uh, you have quite a number of cases, many of them unheard of in the United States. So. Of course, then Brazil is a hotbed of UFO cases, um, Argentina, even uh, uh, Venezuela be uh, before the current political problems there was 
quite a source of UFO cases. So uh, over the years, like I say, uh, Dr. Haynes has collected in his uh, case files uh, 3,400 cases. It's amazing. It's And most of them involve some kind of aviation or uh, air traffic controllers or uh, uh, radar cases from airports and uh, military radar. So uh, um, this is a this is this is a giant collection of specialized cases that he has, and uh, he decided to retire because he's getting me. And so he uh, he took his uh, case files and sent them to the University of Wyoming and uh, NARCAP files and special case files he sent to the uh, Rice University in Texas. All right. So how many years do you think he's done this? Do you have a... Were you able to get a start and end, a linear timeline on him? Um, at least from the uh, uh, from the late fifties until about two thousand twelve or so. So that's quite a that's quite a, a chunk of time. Yes, it uh, is. And how long have you spent doing this? Would you compare yourself to him? Well, I've been doing time? it for sixty years, but I, I'm not. I don't. I don't have the uh, the contacts to get a lot of these uh, cases from both military and uh, airline pilots, uh, uh, ground ground controllers, and radar operators. I I don't have that luxury because he was part of he was a consultant for NASA and so he made a lot of contacts and then a lot of contacts overseas um, well how would the, you uh, uh, how would you recommend as a, a consultant a UFO consultant which you have been for History Channel or asked to be a consultant and then working for CUFOs all these years because you've spent a lot of time and money in uh, your, I guess you'd say, hobby since you haven't been paid to do it. So uh, you can't really write it off on your taxes, and you're not a member of NARCAP, but, uh, and I'm sure you don't write off after since you're, what, my age almost or close to it, aren't you? Let's say I'm seven, be 71, and you're... Closer to eighty, uh, aren't you? I'm seventy-eight. So seventy-eight. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm just like uh, Dr. Haynes. It, it's time for me to slow down, and uh, um, I hope to get about three or four more research trips. Like I, I'm going. Like I, like I said, I hope in a, in a couple of weeks to make one to Yale University, which is a a huge collection of uh, uh, worldwide newspapers, and I, I want to do some research on uh, UFOs in Africa. Um, then I hope my next 
trip will be to the National Archives. There's plenty more to find there. Uh, some UFO people will tell you all oh, the National Archives, it's, everything that can be found is found. And I've heard that a lot during my career. Uh, uh, there's no reason to um, uh, research 1947. Everything that can be found uh, has been found. That was a, that was a mistake. Um, so there's still plenty of material um, where in which people have reported UFOs, and uh, about 40 countries have now um, made UFO files, government files, available. Uh, some just a, one or two cases, but some uh, decades of UFO investigations like the Brazilians, uh, their case files go, and they're at their national archives, uh, their case files go back to 52 at least. Um, so they, they've been, they've been doing this for a long time. Um, the uh, Chileans have been doing this uh, off and on for a number of years. Um, one of the more famous cases down there uh, uh, was during the uh, IGY, the International Geophysical Year, which ran from forty from 1956 to 1958. It wasn't really a year. It was about a year and three quarters uh, when uh, uh, the uh, there were uh, especially um, uh, special scientific uh, investigations of all kinds of phenomena, weather phenomena. Um, uh, aurora uh, exploring places like Antarctica um, putting up satellites and that's about the time the satellites started going up 1957 so uh, uh, one of the uh, cases in Chile was uh in 1956 at a place called Robert Island. Uh, it's just off the coast of Antarctica, and the Chileans have been sending expeditions to Antarctica for decades. They send a small uh, contingents down there. Sometimes it's much bigger. They have ships that go down there, and they have, in some cases, they have all, almost permanent um, presence in Antarctica. In 1956, it was a small contingent of four men, two scientists and two supporting staff. Um, so they were... Uh, and during that uh, uh, expedition there, um, 
they spotted two UFO, cigar-shaped UFOs in the sky. Um, they also had electromagnetic effects that affected their radios and uh, some of their instruments. So now, when they re- now when they reported back in to uh, to Chile after their expedition was over, they were picked up from Robert Robert Island, and um, they filled out American UFO report forms, and they submitted the Chilean Navy submitted a report form to the U.S. Embassy. So Dr. Haynes, when he was trying to get the uh, Chileans to uh, uh, cooperate with NARCAP, one of the stumbling points was, or one of the stumbling uh, uh, items was the uh, Chilean Navy, after about 50 years, they wanted to know, hey, we submitted this case from Antarctica, it, and it's pretty substantial, and it was it was uh, witnessed by scientists, and we submitted it to the uh, Americans, and neither the U.S. Air Force or the U.S. Navy ever told us what their analysis of the case was. And that almost stopped Chile from uh, uh, interacting with uh, Dr. Haynes, and he had to smooth that over. And we don't know where that report went. Uh, The Chileans said, hey, we submitted to the U.S. Embassy, and we were told they would go to the Air Force and the Navy. And uh, they're still unhappy after more than uh, 50 years that they never got an answer from the, from the U.S. government on this uh, UFO case. Does that they, not they fall under the State Department? What no, Department they, submitted, of they know who they submitted it to. They submitted it to the uh, Navy and the Air Force. There's, a, there's what's called a Navy attaché and an and a Air Force attaché at the embassy in Chile. They submitted it to them, uh, and they want to know why they never got an answer. So we always have boots on the ground. Was this before the Internet that they submitted this? Way before the Internet. So they had to have boots and literally walk up the steps at the embassy, I'm guessing steps, (laughs) wherever the embassy was, they they turned it in. the, the the people that were on the expedition filled out, if you know what the U.S. Air Force uh, UFO questionnaire looks like, they filled those out. And they, they took them to the embassy, yes. And they put them in the hands of the Air Force and the Navy representatives there, or the attachés, and they were supposed to be sent to the to uh, to the United States, and um, the Chilean Navy wanted to know what what this was and when do we get an answer. And they, like I say, it's 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 been over five decades now, and they never got an answer. 
Okay. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm un- out of that. They're league. unhappy about that now. <laughs> if you look at if you look at uh, uh, Google Earth, or if you look at uh, if you uh, if you go to my website, there's a uh, and uh, put in uh, if you go to my website, you can Google my website. Okay, Project you know, in words, 1947. Let, let's no, tell everybody. Yeah, yeah, Project yeah, 1947. Okay, then, uh, I'm there. If you Yeah, I've got a special, specialized Google um, uh, uh, search engine just for my website. So Google, nice. Google Antarctica, it says local. It'll say local. If you go to the uh, to the uh, introduction page, if you go to the bottom of the introduction page, it says search, uh, Google search uh, this website or uh, worldwide. So uh, uh, click on uh, this website and put in Antarctica, and you will find the uh, case there. Now, I'm on your site, and then I hit main page. Then it says search the website, so I click on that. Now what do I do? I mean, it says search page. Now, it has the Google. So there it is. The, 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 the keyword is Antarctica. Okay. I'm going to put in Antarctica local search. Okay, your search did not produce any results. Huh. Try Robertson. Try Robert Island. Okay. Let me try that. Oh, this is Robert Island. Boy, you've done so much work on this. Well, I'll be lucky to get links. Ah, there it is. All right, so instead of Antarctica, it's under Robert Island. That worked. Okay, now, uh, my, there's 56 on Robert Island. My goodness, Jan, you've done such an excellent, you and your gentleman in Australia, right? Perfect search. Yep. 1998 to 2007. Uh Uh-oh, it went to GoDaddy. Let me get off of that. Ah, well, it took me back to our site in New York. That folks, I used to know my way around uh, browsers, but there's, I guess Google. But now that I'm in Google in your page, <laughs> go into your site and then add the Google. That's interesting. I've not done that before. Uh, back in the old days, uh, very interesting. Let me see if kicked me out, but let me go back in. All right. Well, that was important. That the way that you've got your website set up. Now, you're, you said, now this is just a little history for everybody. You're keeping as many documents as you can find posted on Project 1947. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, uh, last, uh, this year I went to Rice and uh, University of Wyoming, but last year I, I went several places and. Uh, I'll be putting a report on what I did last year 
on my website here shortly. So uh good. Uh, good, good, good. So that will and be then, there there is a report there for two thousand nineteen. The trips I made in 2019, uh, if you go to the main page and where it says articles, if you click on that, you'll find uh, my uh, research trips for 2019. So I'm gonna, uh, there's going to be one that's going up 2000. Uh, uh, I've got articles index is the first page when you open up. It says yep. project. And then it should say the uh, research index. trip. Uh, yeah. Jan's account of his recent research trips. Let me hit that. Uh, May 27th to June 6, 2019. Research. Tom also gave me access. Look at you being so brilliant. My goodness, this takes a lot of time. John Greenwald joined us for a short visit inside the Black Vault, Saga's Cafe. Brilliant how you do this. We should use you as our lead investigator, huh? Show how, do as I say, not as I do. No. <laughs> You've got additional site category, CE2E, electromagnetic, radio, CE2M, physical effects, P physiological, CE2 trance evidence, and Oz effects. Wow, so much intelligence here. It's amazing. A true digital filing cabinet. Thanks to the scanning and digitizing our files. 3,300 searchable cases. This is so brilliant. You know, it's just a return to, back to articles. Now, your uh, webmaster is in Australia. Isn't that correct? Yes, he's in... Uh... Uh, he's in Victoria, so at, at Melbourne, he's in Melbourne, which is in the state of uh, Victoria. So, okay. he helps me. Uh, I, I write the material, or I send him the material, and he puts it online. Now, if you read that uh, article um, about the research trips, it has a, a large number of sightings. Um, that were found during a research trip or were uh, further uh, analysis was done on them. And Are so you talking about the you know, one I'm maybe, on? Uh, maybe, two, maybe a dozen, maybe 20 UFO cases within that, uh, within that article. Yes. Now, the one I'm so, on, APRO, you've got so much history, Charles Fort. Has acquired the notes of Charles Fort, Dr. Reed. So this is brilliant. Later, John Greenfall with a black ball. Brilliant, brilliant. So this is great for our UFO Association to know how great you have spent your life on this Project 1947 by Jan L. Aldrich. What's the L for in your name, L? Lucian. 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 My mother okay. is part French. My mother is part French. That's why, that's where that came from. Okay, very, very nice. And you've yeah, given my, us permission uh, for UFO Association to link back to that. And I have started so many different places uh, putting this together, folks, and I'm doing my, doing my best to get us 
all together just under UFO Association. Well, Jan, uh, do you have any recommendations for all these people that may not be like, I'm a professional investigator, but I was uh, now just retired, you know, and then I have investigative reporter, but I do have a company, American Communications Online, but training all these people, you know, there's various levels inside the internet, and now we're doing Web3. But we're, you know, we separate computers and the way we think with government files and you, uh, of course, corporate files, right, professionals, and then personal computer files. And then each person can have their own server or wherever they keep their uh, hard drive and their files. And now this will be here, but who pays for the electronic uh, where we can see this? Who's paying for the bandwidth or for the uh, historical digitized documentation? Where does this go? Is this the gentleman in Australia that loads it for you? He loads it. He's the webmaster, and that's all voluntary. And as far as paying for the uh, website, um, I have uh, a lady that uh, did a lot of uh, uh, archive work for me, and she pays for that every year. So that's wow. the website to this gentleman, to this gentleman in Australia, where where's the hard drive? Uh, it's in Australia. Okay. Well, we've got the UFO HQ org that I have, and I have ACIR for Allied Command Intergalactic Relations and Advisory Council for the government, of the United States, but trying to dissolve. Uh, all the past websites and then bringing them together into an amalgamation is quite a feat and it's quite cumbersome. So databases in Australia, now the five eyes, we have Australia, Canada, the United States, UK. What what am I missing? New Zealand, right? Did I say that? New Zealand, Australia, Canada, UK, and U.S. Now, uh, do you have people in the UK that that you're working with internationally? Well, when when they when when I originally started in 1994, uh, we had an email list. You may remember the old email list. So I had the Project 1947 email list. So people would uh, write me about things that. Uh, uh, you know, happened in um, uh, England or uh, Australia, or I even got information from uh, Russia. The aviation historian in Russia um, uh, if you go to my site, there's a formally formally top secret document uh, uh, called Air 203 and it's a government document it was done in 1948 at the Pentagon and uh, it was uh, they were trying to figure out what uh, what UFOs were so they, they wrote this uh, top secret document and uh, I put it on the website 
And about three days after it went on the website, I heard from this aviation historian in uh, um, Russia. And so he told me, hey, you, you have listed a number of factories or the the U.S. government had listed a number of factories in eastern Siberia that were working on um, Horton aircraft. And uh, so if you know anything about the Horton brothers, they had a, a disc-shaped aircraft that they had made. And the U.S. government in 1948 thought that at several of these factories in eastern Siberia, the uh, the Russians were, were, or the Soviet Union was working on um, Horton aircraft, and so they were they would come across the ocean and be seen as UFOs in 1947 and afterwards. And this Russian, the Russian uh, historian, told me. Uh, we know that they were not working on Horton aircraft. They were working on jet aircraft there. So the uh, United States intelligence at the time was incorrect in saying that disc-shaped objects were being made in uh, eastern Siberia in 1948. That, that was not correct. They were, they were making... Uh, uh, the uh, Mr. Mr. Schmidt ME262 jet aircraft, which the uh, which the Germans used at the end of the war, and they were uh, testing that and making improvements on it. So they were not making a Horton aircraft, which, like I said, looks like a disc or uh, um, so. That was the best intelligence they had in 1948, and they thought maybe the Russians were producing UFOs. And um, so, like I said, just a few days after that document went up, the Russian scientist, uh, Russian aviation expert said, "No." And I've uh, he, and he told me he said I went to Eastern Siberia. I talked to people that had worked in those. Uh, factories, and uh, uh, no, they were not working on uh, uh, aircraft that looked like flying saucers. He said they were just working on normal jets that the uh, that the Germans had used at the end of the war. So that was very interesting. Was very well, interesting. How- with classifications in your files, do we have not of Earth objects, near Earth objects, or how are we doing that? Because we have, uh, back in the day, we used to put uh, near Earth objects, but we put man made, not of Earth origin. That's what we use. Not of Earth I have, origin. Uh, I use the uh, Heineck um, classification, so. Daylight okay. discs, um, night lights, uh, uh, close encounters of the first kind, second kind, third kind, 
So uh, that's a, that's a, mostly the classifications I uh, work on. Um, uh, I have uh, um, one case at Christmas Island in the Pacific, which used to be an atom bomb test center, First for the British, then for the Americans, it's uh, uh, a place to stop for cruise ships out of Hawaii. uh, One of the things they do is they uh, uh, cruise ships going uh, out of Hawaii stop off at Christmas Island. Uh, But at the time, it was completely isolated. There's a local population after the scientists tested their nuclear weapons, they went away, and there was only one British, actually, the British governor, he was there, and just the native population of Christmas Island. So, um, in 1967, uh, they selected, the uh, uh, United States selected Christmas Island and some of the islands around there, Palmyra, and uh, um, they selected the islands. It's called the Line Islands because they're in a line. And uh, they sent a bunch of meteorologists out there, including uh, one of my friends, sent out to Christmas Island. And there's, you know, there's no, there's no regular scheduled aircraft in 1967 that went to Christmas Island. They had to fly out there in uh, Coast Guard planes. And what they did is they they took a weather satellite and they uh, moved it over Christmas Island. So uh, the people on the ground were taking uh, various measurements of weather in that area and then uh uh then uh they would go ahead and compare some of those measurements with what they were getting from the satellite and from the they were doing balloon observations and things like that so it was a major uh meteorological uh research project done by the national climate uh, research uh, center in uh, in Boulder, Colorado. So if you hear Boulder, Colorado, what do you think of first? Well, the University of Colorado and the Condon Committee. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> X Files. <laughs> yeah. So one of my one of my uh, one of the guys that I was familiar with, I worked for him uh, several times in my career in the military. He was out there at Christmas Island, and uh, this is when he was younger in 1967, and uh, he's on Christmas Island. Um, now, there's no way to get to Christmas Island except this little Coast Guard plane, and it was not up that night. So he's and no, the the airlines don't fly over Christmas Island even. 
So it's it's pretty dark and so anyways he's uh he goes out and makes a surface observation on a uh, a regular meteorological form it's called a Wayband 10. So he writes the temperature at the surface and the wet bulb temperature, the dry bulb temperature uh He's got an anemometer that reads the direction of the wind and the speed. Uh, and he's got a number of other instruments. And so he writes down the uh, the observation on this Wayband 10 form. And as he looks up from what, from what he's doing, and he's got uh, he's got a flashlight uh, so he can uh, make the observations. And he sees this light in the sky, and it's coming towards him. So and he's, you know, he's not sure what it is. Um, and he thought maybe it's the Coast Guard plane. Maybe they were up tonight. Maybe they went up in the uh, in the air, and it's coming back. Maybe it's making a supply run from. Uh, one of the bigger islands. So he flashes his light at it. So the light flashes back at him and starts coming towards him. And so he keeps doing this and the light keeps flashing at him. So the light's reacting to him. And he's saying, oh, that's just a, that's just a Coast Guard plane, a PBY. And so... uh he uh, he he takes his observation papers and his clipboard and goes back to where they were set up. They had barracks there, and they um, he's walking back to the barracks, and then he looks down uh, and he sees the Coast Guard plane is is in the water. It's an amphibious. Uh, um, So it's just floating there in the water. So that light he saw couldn't have been anything. So he writes at the bottom of the form, seen unknown light and the time and uh, reacted to my flashlight. Well, he's got a real, his flashlight is, is, you know, not not just a regular household flashlight. It's it's bigger. It looks like, you know, uh, the things that the uh, police carry around, the, you know, the, the longer flashlight that has more batteries in it, brighter. So uh, he turns that in, and when he goes to the barracks, he's talking to the other soldiers there. They're uh, U.S. Army meteorologists, and uh, he says something about the light and. First thing one of the guys says, well, maybe the satellite picked up the light. Oh, my God. So, NCOIC, the non-commissioned officer in charge, is a master sergeant. So he called this uh, my friend in and one other guy that had seen something two days earlier. And he made them write up what they had seen. 
And so uh, they did so. They did just what they were told. And then my friend was called in to talk to the scientists there, two or three of the scientists that were there on the island. And they told him, we don't know what it was. Don't say anything about the satellite. Don't be making up stories or starting rumors. Just be quiet about it. (laughs) So that was the end of it. And later on in Korea, uh, this guy came and took over the section I was in, the meteorological section, and he told me about this case. And I said, that's that's amazing. And uh, so uh, now the scientists did not just take this case and put it in a drawer somewhere or a filing cabinet. They sent it back to Boulder, Colorado, at the National Climate Center. And uh, the scientists there in Boulder, they said, let's look at what the satellite, let's look at pictures what of, of the satellite. Let's see if we can find any, uh, any light on the, uh, on the satellite pictures. So sure enough, they looked at those lights. They looked at the film, and they saw a light there. Now, not the same time that my friend saw it, but about uh, uh, 30 minutes beforehand. They said, this is really, uh, uh, you know, unusual. We need to send this to the University of Colorado, where the Condon Committee is, and so they did. So they sent the Wayband, or copy of the Wayband form, and... Uh, uh, the satellite pictures, and uh, um, my uh, uh, so uh, in, uh, and the people in uh, at the climate center never got a, an acknowledgement from University of Colorado. Um, but they also sent a copy to Dr. James McDonald at the uh, uh, University of Arizona, who at the same time was doing his own investigations of UFOs. So this went into his files. And so years later, we're going through Dr. McDonald's files, and we find this thing, and I said, oh, my God, I know Sergeant Bourdain. I know this guy. I said, uh, you know, I used to work with him. And he told me the story about this. And here it is. And they're saying they got a mysterious light on the uh, weather satellite uh, photographs. Uh, And the conning committee never looked at this case. So it's a satellite detection of a an unknown object over Christmas Island. So, uh, uh, and uh, and I knew the main witness. So that is that is real interesting, and I uh, that's part of my research trip 
Right. Uh, um, and uh, the the uh, the master sergeant's interview of Sergeant Bordeen and this other uh, soldier uh, was in that file. So, so this thing uh, did not disappear, but it never went to the military files or the Condon Committee, who was doing the uh, 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 research for the government at the time. It never got into their files. And so there's a satellite detection of a UFO. Amazing. So it's in your files now. It's in my files too. Yeah, I I, I have copies of Dr. McDonald's so, uh, files. I went to the University of Arizona with uh, Dr. Michael Sur- Swords, uh, Barry Greenwood, uh, Lauren Gross, uh, Wendy Connors, and uh, we and Jerry Clark, and we. Uh, we went through Dr. McDonald's files, which are extensive. One person by themselves couldn't do this in a uh, in in a. Uh, we were out there about three weeks, I think. They couldn't do that in three weeks. They, you know, it would take a good part of the year to go through all his files. But we did find that. We did make copies and. Uh, uh, it's a, it was a lost UFO case, really, and so now it's no longer lost, and uh, that has a uh, the ground witness is a good witness, and uh, um, the satellite is a witness too. Well, uh, you want to call ourselves historical preservation or historical society, because really that's what we're becoming. Is uh, UFO historicals our preservation? I guess. Well, I, I, uh, there, there's something going on right now that we're trying to do that will, uh, but it's it's too early yet. So next, we'll we'll announce what's going to happen uh, um, in the middle of October. So it's going okay. to be much more. It's going to be much more than the Kufos um, scanning project. It's going to be a lot more than just scanning the Kufos files. It's going to be far more extensive. Um, but right now, it's in kind of the lap of the gods. So uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so well, uh, we'll do all we can to promote yeah, so the gods. The fifth, about the fifteenth of. Uh, October, there should be uh, an announcement, um, and I think it's going to be uh, uh, significant, and uh, um, uh, it'll be uh, it'll deal with the UFO records um, much more than we're doing right now. It'll be much more extensive, uh, and that's about all I can say for right now. Um, we're trying to get things going here. Um, so uh, I guess David Mahler, who is in uh, Albuquerque, he will be going out to the International UFO Conference or 
I don't know what it is. In October, there's a a UFO conference. It's one of the biggest ones. And he will be making an announcement at that. Okay. Um, So that's uh, that's about... Does he still... He does... uh, But he represents MUFON, doesn't he? Just one where you represent many? He's he's a board member of KUFOS. Oh, he's, he's a board. Yeah, they made him a board right member. Now. He's in his fifties, so he's, yeah. he's the youngest board member. And uh, Kufo's files are at his house right now. So everything's and, about funding right now. Yeah, it's funding so, and getting work uh, done. So if you look at uh, if you look at uh, his website, which I think is triangles triangle UFOs. If you go to his website, you'll see where the files are. He's, uh, he's got a, uh, a dedicated room to, uh, to the Kufos files, uh, and uh, he's got uh, a research area there and tables and lights and things like that and the filing cabinets. <clears throat> you can go to his site. Um, I think probably you could uh, use uh, David Mahler, Triangle UFOs, and that would take you to his site, and you can see the uh, uh, the work that's been done so far. We hope to do much more. And uh, in October, Is it we'll all volunteers? Be... It's an all-volunteer yeah, so organization. Yes, it's all volunteers now. Um I've been sending, as I scan material at my house that I've collected over the last uh, 50, 60 years, uh, I send uh, the paper copies and the scan copies to him. So he is he's like the uh, records area for this. And... Uh, I sent him 88, no, I'm sorry, I'm lying. I sent him 48 boxes of uh, UFO material, case files and other things, newspaper clippings, um, official UFO reports from the archives, official UFO reports from other countries, um, and... Uh, Antonio Hulanus, who uh, um, is a, like an international author on UFOs, and uh, he sent 88 boxes of UFO case files from all around the world, and his collection. It. He sent him 88 boxes to David Mahler, so. Um, the uh, the UFO files at uh, at Albuquerque are are taking over David's house. Uh, so he had the, he had this one room which was a research room, and it was pretty well filled. And then I started sending him stuff, and then Ant- Antonio Huerta sent him eighty eight boxes from all over the world. Uh, China, Chile, uh, Argentina, Japan, um, 
Europe, Spain, France, um, Germany, uh, Italy, uh, Canada. So Antonio Huynes has been at this for uh, 40, 50 years now, just like the rest of us. And so he's uh, his collection is now there. And, of course, this is it's 88 boxes, so it's taken over not only the research room, but it's taken over the garage. And the cars are wow. outside now, and the files are now in the garage. And, <laughs> and so we've got other people that want to send their files down there. Oh, gosh. And so it's... Uh, it's it's uh, it's becoming huge, and uh, people don't realize how much UFO paperwork there is, case files, and other things. That's uh, um, you know that's in private hands, um, and of course, like I said, I went to. Uh, all kinds of uh, historical societies, um, uh, uh, state libraries, um, and various universities and things, and collect stuff during my lifetime, and and that's a huge amount of material. So if I send that down there, they won't have anywhere to live. Fortunately, um, the files the will just push them out of the house, and they'll have to live in a tent. Yeah, I was only sent the links years and years ago inside the internet uh, by the libraries, uh, the uh, universities, and the links. They wanted me to create, a, uh, well, for magazines, they asked me to help do the links. And then uh, it just depends on what projects they have me doing. But now for UFO Association, I'm going to try to do anything with the word UFO or UAP in it, I guess. Now, on Project 1947, we need to make sure you've got UFO link, because yours is all about the history of ufology and your collection as a, as a historian. But, you know, that is that how you want to be remembered? Yeah, well, that's maybe what I've done. I mean, I did do, I, I have done investigations, but mainly uh, it's collecting material from all over. I've been to a hundred Yeah, you're a researcher and an archivist, but uh, you don't say that you've got founder and coordinator of your project. Not, but you know, I've got you as a director of UFO Association. But you know, how do you want to be known? Because our history was based on, you know, being in CUFOs and well, yours, NICAP maybe, and uh, both of us in MUFON and whatever. But all these organizations, and then there's national, and so many. Now there's going to be more and more and more. And who can afford to do magazines anymore? But I mean, we can try to do a magazine, but you've got all the old collection of historical important magazine articles about UFOs. But now we've got to start a whole new window of reality for the people that were volunteers and, uh, I I don't know, but remember we want to get that honorary list, I guess up on Center for UFO Studies, 
of all those that have come before, like a memoriam? Do you have a memoriam? Uh, uh, no, I, I haven't done anything like that. It's, it's just putting up UFO cases is, is pretty much a full-time job uh, on a website, so... And, yeah, you know, it goes in cycles. I mean, you know, maybe nothing appears on the website for a year or so because I'm uh, doing research trips or or writing things to go on the on the website, and then uh, material starts appearing on the website again. So it runs in cycles. So, like, I went to the University of uh, of Wyoming and Rice University in uh, Houston, Texas. And so that, um, I'm writing that research trip up right now. Um, and I got the year before research trip that is already written, but will be on the uh, UFO, uh, on the uh, Project 47 uh um, website uh, shortly and I start the next one so while we're doing research trips or writing uh, things don't appear on 1940, uh, Project 1947 they they appear you know whenever we can get to them well I've got contact us off of Stoneham, Massachusetts Barry Greenwood now he has. Let me see where his goes. Uh, it goes to info at Greenwald. So I'll have to ask his permission. Okay. How do I? Uh, I just put subject UFO Association and uh, UAP Associates. Now uh, you want me just to say who's who? Who's well, green, who? Uh, director. Uh, Greenwood. Uh, Greenwood, not Greenwall. Greenwood should have his own uh, Barry Greenwood archives. You should be able to look that up uh, on Google. And there's all yeah. his, uh, there's his uh, uh, Just Cause. I think he's got about uh, 45 issues of Just Cause. And then uh, uh, UHR, uh, UFO historical uh, research, uh, which is about 10 issues of that. So, uh, yeah, it's called the Barry Greenwood Archives. It also has other materials. So he he's uh, doing something similar on, on his website. Well, you guys have been collecting it, and I need to list uh, the links. Uh, for all who uh, want to know what you've accomplished, you know how to get a, how to get, and you're doing this free of charge, like a library, right? Right, exactly. The idea is not to make money off it. No, there's plenty of people in UFO research that they just they they want to make a, 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 a you know. A, a good living off of this, and uh, I don't have any problem with people uh, um, making money off UFOs. I do have problems with people 
making things up about UFOs and then going to conferences and telling tall tales. I have a problem with that. <laughs> oh, and I'm trying to separate all that. I'm doing my there's best. There's a number of people easy. that that's what they do. They go to UFO conferences and they make up tall tales. And, uh, so people want to hear, storytellers. Yeah, now, exactly. I've, I've, they want to hear. That's what they want to hear. So if there's a demand, there's somebody there to fill the demand. Exactly. Uh, so so not, we've yeah, got yeah. that. That's entertaining. You don't want so, the... Uh, you you want uh, uh, woo 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 type of stuff and not um, stuff that can be documented by uh, government documents and uh, other uh, reliable sources, which is what I'm trying to do and what Barry's trying to do, uh, Kufos. Well, and, that's you know, what we're trying makes to mistakes create. Too. I mean, you know. I've made plenty of mistakes during my uh, uh, UFO lifetime, and Barry Greenwood has, and the rest of us have. But there's some people they don't—they're not. Their mission is to tell as fantastic tales as can be told, and uh, uh, that's what NSA wants the man, to do. Some- the man for. Uh, yeah, fill the demand for uh, all tall tales. Well, I've and, heard uh, that with all the all the stuff that they've been creating, whether it's ancient history or artifacts or X Files, or you know, we got all confused inside cyberspace. So, I'm doing my best to get the buckets in social behavior, and then what we're doing in Ace Folk Life myths and legends separated from. You know, what is ancient go back to cuneiform petroglyphs and all of that, or anthropology, which, you know, I'm working with many anthropologists, but I'm also a member of the Society of Professional Journalists, and so we're having all these issues with our journalists getting killed around the world trying to go in and document. Of course, I don't want to be in politics and wars. I'm too old for that now. But I can. I said I would, you know, as a member with you and Barry and anybody that wants to do orator work or help in our audio and video files because I'm I'm I do my best to support you know paranormal science fiction writers and I've been you know a couple of those the pyramidology and then the we had the mid uh, the one with Stanton went to and I, I was a speaker in 2016 for paranormal. So I've been for paranormal and spirituality topics. But, you know, we're moving into really education. Like, you know, we're the nuts and bolts people on this side, even though a lot of the groups are trying to do what they can. Now, remember when uh, Captain McDonald with MUFON, do you remember back when James Carrion this was the split in 2008 with our economist, the world, the United States, the big uh, aha that, oh, you know, the, all the other governments decided, wait a minute, is this a flim flam or a berry? What was that guy's name? Anyway, they made a big movie about it. It was uh, how other countries didn't necessarily believe that we had all the gold and there was a gold rush 
I don't know, Nixon and UFOs, <laughs> Eisenhower, UFOs. So uh, Russia, UFOs, you know, World War II, Hitler. Now we've got all the entertainment, and it seems to go back to Hitler, UFOs, and all of that with Billy Meyer. And so I've got a split in the uh, alienology versus ufology in cosmology with metaphysics that everybody can help us with, including you and Barry Greenwood and all these. But, you know, you guys are more of the, like you said, nuts and bolts. Let's get the facts. And I was always, as an investigator, get the facts. Just send out, we don't, you know, don't, as an observer, you go out and you obtain the facts. You don't care whether they're colored Democrat or Republican. Unfortunately, those in social media and Facebook have been coloring uh, politics since, I guess Obama started and got elected via social media. So I guess he was our first social media president. But, you know, the UFOs ride in and out of the new cyber waves in OSI, open source intelligence, and the intelligence community, because as the intelligence community didn't want to really define disclosure, exopolitics, uh, top secret SCI, all of that, you and I were in handling those and knew of the different classifications. And, you know, that became a big part of our ufology. And a lot of people don't have our education to understand unless maybe some journalists knew, you know, FBI could come in and redact our, our I've, you know, I've been with a, a newspaper agency where they came in and said, you can't run that file. You know, been there in the office when the FBI agents come in and shut us down. You know, me as an investigator or as a reporter, so that can happen if they're, you know, if it affects a case. So the lawyers trump, well, the money and the lawyers, right? So the corporate, even you've seen with President Trump, you know, they can think they can do something, but they can't. And then we have those that have the careers inside the world that are running the show or at least they think they are. And then those in the black ops that aren't really part of the career. So, you know, this is very complicated, stacked uh, <laughs> intelligence community inside our libraries and our books and those that get to write the history. So don't you think it still comes back to who gets to write the history, even in ufology? It's still well, all about course, who controls know. the pen. Whoever wins the war writes the history, so. Well, right now, we're uh, hopefully phasing out of global catastrophes. So, it's the world doing itself. So, uh, you know, we have economic and environmental, but nature and nurture are the key words here now in alienology. But with you, Jan, you guys have been working so hard to pass this on and work with libraries. So let's get something going in the Internet because you guys only take it so far and pass it over to webmasters. And I'm doing my best to stay in touch with people that want to say, let's pass this over, but they don't really know how to get it to the webmasters and the developers, you know. And so I'm doing my part with, uh, I guess it would be for America, but it's really for North America because we're working with Canada Mexico, Australia, New Zealand, UK, and how many? I've yet to get all the countries listed. Is that 
are all the countries that you have listed, have you done a directory or has Barry, so we know how to break down the 195 countries that you're definitely in? Because that's what well, I talked about countries, a year ago. Some, uh, like I said, 40 countries have released official documents. Now, you like the island, uh, islands of Fiji, um, they have, uh, you know, maybe one or two UFO cases that they, uh, uh, in their files, so they just released, uh, you know, a couple of UFO cases where uh, Canada has, uh, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of UFO cases that they're releasing. And uh, the University of Manitoba is the repository for that. Um, they selected uh, Chris Rakowski, who worked at the University of Manitoba, uh, just kind of out of the um, out of the blue. They selected him as the recipient for all these UFO cases from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and the Canadian Air Force and Canadian Navy uh, um, and uh, uh, the scientific establishments up there. They just made him the point of contact, and uh, uh, he gets the cases. Now, he's transferred all his material to the University of Manitoba, and they've started to uh, scan this in, so it's going to be on the University of Manitoba's website eventually. Well, they um, had me go to Austin, Texas. Now, University of Texas, what have we got there? Because uh, that's where well, we had the University of eight- Texas has, has a tremendous number of newspapers. I've been down there four or five times. Um Actually, one time I was there for just a couple of days, so, yeah, it'd be five times. Well, but, when uh, will you work at, for Texas? Because now that's where I had the ACIR, and we had the, we're having a little trouble with our governors right now. I don't know if you've been paying attention. <laughs> well, you know, I, no, I went to Rice University, which is in uh, Houston. Houston. So that yeah. was my, that. That, was, that, was, that was earlier this year. So well, down in, uh, in, uh, in, in the University of Rice University in Texas, I was there earlier well, this year, and they have a giant um, paranormal collection, not just UFOs. We, they have valets, uh, Jacques Valet's um, collection there, but nobody can look at it for 10 years. He just gave it to Rice University, and you can't you can't get at it. But there's a number of well, other you... people uh, that gave their collections to the uh, Rice University. So, well, the only thing that I looked at while I was down there was Richard Haynes because that was more than I could handle. I, I looked at uh, 14 of these giant. Uh, archive boxes. He didn't have small boxes. He had huge boxes. So I've gone through 14 of them. There's 22 altogether. So there's still eight boxes for me to go through down there. So there's there's still more research to be done. 
but there's other people's uh, UFO collections at Rice University. So, um, well, we've got to make them understand that these are important, uh, even though it's a it shouldn't be pseudoscience or niche genre as far as the National Register. But you know, there's the Lyndon B. Johnson, October fifteenth, nineteen sixty six. The National Historic Preservation Act. They had the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation. Now, that was Section 106, and it was 36 CFR Part 800. But the Advisory Council for the that's almost like the National Register of Historic Places. Not how do we get into the national? Who do we talk to? about the National Register, other than National Archives, you know, and that's... Well, the National Archives is the main place, but, okay, so, um, the National Archives is in Washington. They have branches around the country, so one of the main branches is in um, St. Louis. Now... People don't realize uh, what's in St. Louis. If you say, oh, the, the uh, there's material at St. Louis, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, military records of personnel, you know, Army, Navy, Air Force uh, records. Yeah, those are there. But also there are UFO records, say, from the... Uh, um, Air Defense Command and uh, Strategic Air Command, they're at St. Louis. Now, I went there with Tom Talene, and we said we wanted to look at the uh, Air Defense Command records, and they said, no, you can't. They're restricted right now. Well, we have... So, uh, we, so the we want to get a look at those. We want to get a look at those. Now... Like I said, I'm running out of time. I can't be good. Yeah. You know, I can't go everywhere that needs to be gone. Uh, that's well, kind of why I do these programs, because I, I try to give people a, a, um, uh, a breadcrumb trail to, that they can use to go to uh, do their own research or do further research. Um yeah, it's the, important. Uh, the St. Louis, the St. Louis uh, Personnel Center. See, it, it, people don't know that there's UFO stuff there, and so nobody's ever gone to look, as far as I know. Well, we can start getting our veterans that don't, you know, if they live here and there. A lot of them, uh, I was told by the, uh, I don't know, government affiliation. We'll just say that, not to mention because it's always about budget, but uh, how we could get our American veterans and, uh, you know, those veterans of foreign wars, et cetera, et cetera, all working in research if they chose to. It's strictly voluntary, you know, and so the American founding is with our baby boomers even. But anybody after World War, well, I guess Iraq and Iran, uh, now it's going to be Afghanistan, I guess. I don't know. I wish they'd stop doing the war thing, playing with their little soldiers around the world, <laughs> making these deals 
Russia, China, America. But, uh, you know, we, we need to play a bigger game here. So uh, you're saying they are records here and there, and you're running out of time on the planet to transition. You weren't expecting your sister to transition, and she did. So we never know, folks, when we're here. So that's why we're slipping into the next level of helping in the spiritual community, asking for preservation acceptance into the new uh, we're not going to break up the history, and we're going to stick with the Constitution. Are we not uh, with the UFO industry, National Historic Preservation, and we're going to stay with establishing a program for preservation of American history in the United States of America? So uh, how we keep this together uh, it shouldn't be up – you know, it's up to each individual to vote. So we need everybody to be an independent – a citizen and vote and look at Teddy Roosevelt Antiquities Act and how he helped us with the National Park Service. People, I'm not political. I'm just telling you with what I've got to work with here on the planet. So uh, the gentleman here, Jan Aldrich, is one of the few humanitarians that's been willing to volunteer most of his time to the preservation of not just the United States, but the world. And we look at it as we're all in this same little orb in space together. So we are working with various groups. But we'll ask you to get involved with our preservation of museums and 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 libraries, but also private libraries and cyberspace. So Jan Aldrich, if you can help him out, would be most efficient, as well as Jan uh, Barry Greenwald, and then uh, how we're doing this to pay for the larger overheads. I will... Uh, we can look at subscribing together and making this thus day forward. If you'll let us know, I'm going to do my best to make a list of volunteers and uh, sharing human knowledge. Uh, and we're inviting the world to create this with us. So, you know, National Historic Preservation Act of 66. I was just a teenager then, <laughs> and you were too. Well, you were 20, right. I, I think, 66. Yeah. So, um, so there's, you know, there's, there's, there's repositories all around the country. There's the, uh, I've been to the Air Force Research, Historical Research Agency in, uh, in, uh, at Maxwell Air Force Base, Alabama. That's a, that's a, uh, uh, a big agency that that uh, has Air Force records there. Um, I went to the uh, Naval War College and looked at uh, Bernard Baruch's papers, which he was uh, instrumental in doing things with UFOs. Now, when I went there, you have to have uh, a... Uh, to be escorted everywhere you go at the Naval War College. You just can't waltz in there. You have to make an appointment, and you, uh, while you're there, somebody has to be with you at all times because they have well, a lot of classified information. Now, what well, I was I looking at was unclassified, but I was in... Um, 
the the library there is is restricted, so you have to have a, a minder there all the time. You go to you go wow. to lunch. You got to go to cafeteria. You got to go with a minder. Somebody. So you're under you're under surveillance the whole time you're there. Um, well, we're under surveillance. Now, when I went to the, uh, when I went to the <laughs> when I went to the Air Force Historical Research uh, Agency, um, yeah, they have all everything. You know, you uh, you look up what you're looking for, and then they bring it to you. So we don't need anybody um, to mind you, but um, uh, they ha- also have a Air Force library there, which has you know regulations and all kinds of Air Force material. Um, and the when I when I went there, the, that library was open 24 hours a day. So after I got through at the Historical Research Agency, I would go to the Maxwell Air Force Base Library and look at the material they collected there. Um, So I didn't get very much sleep when I was there. (laughs) Wow. Well, uh, I'm glad you're still alive. uh, Yeah. Now, some places, uh, you know, like... uh, um, I have not been to the uh, Washington Naval Yard, which has uh, similar to the uh, 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 Air Force Research Agency. The the Washington Naval Yard contains Navy records, Navy records records that are not at the National Archives. So there's a lot of places to go, and like I said, I've been to 100 archives or libraries or universities but that doesn't there you know there's a lot of other places to go i went to the uh the center for research libraries i spent uh several trips out there <laughs> they do is <clears throat> uh various collections at other libraries that have become, um, you know, people don't want to use them for research anymore. They're, or they're, they're not interested in the material. The uh, library, uh, the uh, the Center for Research Libraries, they take that material and uh, centralize it in Chicago. And so, wow. uh, so other, other. Um, files and things that uh, are are kind of rare, or people, uh, you know, they're old and not much research is done at that. You can go to the uh, Library for Research Science and find all kinds of uh, material that other libraries and universities have sent them. So that's a that's another place to go. And of course, I've been through Canada. I've been through the uh, the provincial libraries in Canada, <clears throat> not just 
the provincial libraries, but I've been to uh, also certain other libraries in Canada, and um, uh, so there's there's a lot of places that haven't even been looked at. I hadn't, I like I hadn't gone out to Nova Scotia and looked at uh, uh, the uh, the provincial library in Nova Scotia. Oh. No. Uh, Nova Scotia being on the ocean and everything, uh, there's a lot of, uh, let's put it this way, there's a lot of UFO activity in Nova Scotia. So that hasn't been done, but I had people, I had people in, in Project 1947 that would go out and do research and they would send it to me. And so I do have material from Nova Scotia, even though I didn't go there. Well, and even even senators and uh, congressmen have papers in libraries. So uh, Margaret Chase Smith from Maine, she's a uh, an important senator, and. Uh, so uh, her library has some material on UFOs because people used to write her. And, you know, Maine's a rural area. And so people out in the middle of nowhere are seeing UFOs. Um, in one case, she wrote to the uh, the director of the CIA and said, I have this letter from my constituent. And she had a... a a very frightening UFO experience, and I think somebody should investigate it. So, so the um, the uh, uh, Central Intelligence Directory uh, director sent her letter to the Air Force, and and he told them, go out there and investigate this case. This is from a senator; is really important. You need to. Uh, react to her and so they did they sent out a special team up there to to look into this UFO case um, and I think that's not the only time she did that so uh, you need to go to Margaret Chase Smith's library in Maine or Senator Richard Russell who was the head of the Armed Services Senate Armed Services Committee for years and he saw, he had his own UFO sighting in the middle of Russia when he visited there. Um, and he has he is he has been briefed on UFOs a number of times. So somebody would like to go to his library. And now even more modern things. Uh, John Glenn. Uh, he was in on this. Uh, um, AATIP thing when that when that came out and uh, he was he uh, he has uh, possibly UFO material at his library but it's not all organized yet uh, Senator McCain in Arizona his library is not is not completely organized yet. Um, 
Senator Ted Stevens in Alaska. He was a, a colleague of uh, um, um, the Senate my, um, Majority Leader. Uh, um, oh my God! So I'm forgetting who the Senate Majority Leader is right now uh, from Nevada. Uh, his library is, is there's things that are unavailable. Uh, Senator a, uh, Anue in uh, Hawaii. Now his his library is not yet organized. So there's all kinds of places in the future that need to be visited or uh, need to have researchers at least go out there. Um, I hired a researcher at the University the uh, New Mexico State University, and she went through Dr. Clyde Tombo's papers. Now he was the astronomer who uh, discovered Pluto, but he was also involved in. Uh, UFO investigation. He was doing it for Heineck, and he was he was looking for uh, uh, um, unknown satellites circling the uh, uh, circling the globe in uh, the 50s. So um, I I hired a graduate student to go in and look at his papers, and she was. She was able to, she would tell me, you know, well, today I looked at this, and this has uh, something about his search for our, for satellites. And I said, okay, well, you, could you send that to me? And she would get it copied, and I'd pay her for it. And then I'd pay her, uh, you know, uh, for how many hours she spent researching it. Uh Wow, that's and you can do the same too. thing at the University of uh, Wyoming. They will do research for you for free. But, of course, they put you on a list. If you want a freebie, you have to wait till they get around to it. That's why I went there personally. And there's people doing all kinds of research at the University of Wyoming. They're doing uh, Native American research. They've got paper, uh, uh, historical papers. They've got uh, um, one guy that uh, produces instruments, musical instruments. So uh, his his stuff is out there. There's very his, various historical people. Um, one of the uh, one of the first women that worked for the post office uh, she used to uh, transport the mail she's a black woman and she had a rifle and nobody was going to steal her mail uh, <laughs> and she transported from from uh, to different towns you know and unloaded in the towns and then they would break it up and this is this is in the 19th century so her um uh, papers and what she did uh, and the the uh, trials and tribulations she went through 
that's at the University of Wyoming. It's very interesting. I mean, I didn't do it, but I talked to other researchers that were doing that kind of research there. So, um, and with UFOs, there's there's stuff at various uh, um, places around the country. Uh, Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia has Gray Barker's material and uh, um, Carl Flock's material at their uh, regular library. Uh, they have uh, they have historical papers there. So, um, so well, do you like uh, somebody Nick needs to go there? I I have been there to to look at Gray Barker's material. Uh, but I didn't get all through it. Uh, there's somebody that needs to go and do that. What do you think of Nick Popes? He moved from the UK, right? So he, you know, I know that he's only chosen. Uh, well, let me look at his biography. But I need to. Well, he seems to Nick, have a lot of. Uh, he seems to be able to have a lot of opinions about how the Americans are doing their stuff. But I don't know how much of that is based on anything he knows. Um, well, he, he he's always on, on these movies. he's always on these UFO programs. But you know, he didn't work here. He worked in the great in Great Britain, and he you know he says he was uh, uh, a director of, of a UFO program. But for three when, years, when you ask when you ask the British, they tell you. He was a secretary in the British Air Force, and one of his things was to answer cor- correspondence about UFOs. He's kind of over. Ah. He's kind of over. Um, he, he's taking his Except resume his and, in the and, US. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and get it, and uh, made something more out of it than it actually exists. Well, on his own uh, biography, he writes, Nick Pope ran the British government's UFO project, period, from 1991 to 94. He researched and investigated for three years. When you ask the uh, uh, Royal Air Force or the uh, uh, Ministry of Defense over there, they say, no, he didn't. He was huh. he was a clerk and he did answer correspondence on UFOs, but he was not he was not part of the investigating staff. He wasn't a gumshoe. He wasn't out in the field like the rest of us. No, hard, no, he was, he, was a, he was a clerk. <laughs> the the people that oh, did goodness. the investigations was the uh, uh, MI one six six. Those were the people that did the investigations. If he heard something, he was supposed to uh, send it to them. And if they decided to investigate, they would. He didn't do that. He just answered the mail. Uh, so he's more or less uh, gilded his uh, his resume to be more than it, it actually was. According to the people in England that I trust, um, now the the British have put uh, a lot of their official material on their National Archives website, so you can just go to their website 
and uh and uh you can get their case files from the uh from the uh ministry of defense so from well, now 19, from nineteen fifty nine onward that's that's on uh that's on the British website, the National Archives of Britain. National Archives of Britain. Okay, we need to link that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, of the United Kingdom. Uh, United National Archives.gov.uk, maybe? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's National Archives, folks, .gov.uk. Well, and you could just look it up. The, the National Google Archives. UFO. Yeah, uh, Google uh, National Archives UK UFOs, and there's uh, they sent it to them in uh, like eleven, I think it was eleven or twelve trenches, and so that's now there, and you can go online and get it. Okay, now, so Australians that is have, a, have a different uh, different system. If somebody uh, wants. Uh, they find a file that sounds like it's UFOs. They request the National Archives of Australia. Uh, do you have this? And if if the, if it's found and released and reviewed, then it goes on the uh, National Archives of Australia's website. And so that's the way they do it in Australia. So Keith Basterfield and uh, 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 Keith Bill Basterfield. Chalker, Bill Chalker, uh, these Chalker. two guys, these two guys have been to the National Archives. They found all kinds of files, and then they requested the National Archives put them online. So uh, there's a there's a system for that. And they're constantly finding new material. Now, in New Zealand, uh, they put some material on the National Archives of New Zealand, uh, but not all of it. They say there's too much of it. So it's going to take time for it to go up. Well, when I look up UFOs on the U.K., it does. It's a nice little nationalarchives.gov.uk. Help with your research. How do I need to know before I start? So what do I need to know? In '47, a pilot reported nine strange objects. Oh my gosh! Even in the UK, they start off with "What do I need to know?" with Kenneth Arnold. UFO yep. is abbreviation. Can you believe that? To the military forces. And they're recognized as uh, extraterrestrial. Some branches of the ministry, Ministry of Defense, prefer the term UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. This is this has been written up recently with this. Surely, official reporting analysis and recording UFO sightings began in the early 50s until 67. Ministry of Defense policy was to destroy UFO files at five yearly intervals. So many records have been lost. But since the 70s. Most surviving Ministry of Defense UFO files have been reviewed or eventually released to the National Archive because of the public interest. Now, that's UFOs 50 to 22 digital records. So, folks, it's it's just complicated. So some things you can find, some has been destroyed. Now, that's UK only. So 
what we're trying to do with Jan is get him uh, largely involved globally, which is not easy in the UFO field. So uh, I just mentioned Nick. I don't know, because some people are just interested in their own fame and fortune and notoriety and uh, specific cases like Rendlesham Forest or conspiracy theories or, you know, anyway. But we have various projects, and it's okay. We have had different ones. Pegasus was all about time travel, ESP and all that. But it does seem to always go back to 47. Do you want to – that is your project for the United States of America, so assigned – now, did you assign yeah, yeah, yourself? I'm, I'm I'm interested in Foo Fighters too, so that that goes back to 1940, 1939. And there's material uh, in the there's there's plenty of material in the U.S. archives and the British archives about that. There's to a lesser extent there's material in the Canadian archives, and. Uh, So that's another thing we're interested in. Um, so uh, Canada, like I said, um, the National Archives of Canada has materials for the early years, for the 40s and 50s and 60s. And then one day... Um, uh, the Canadians, I guess, uh, uh, some of these people that were that were involved in the government UFO um, uh, um, not project, but government UFO investigations in Canada. Uh, Chris Rakowski happened to be there from the uh, University of Manitoba. And they said, they they were talking, and they said, well, we don't know what we're going to do with this material anymore. Some of it's gone to the National Archives, but uh, place, a centralized place to send it. And so uh, Chris just jokingly said, I'll take it. And uh, uh, the Canadian said, yeah, you will. We're going to start sending it to you. So for about uh, uh, so they've been sending it to him for about four decades now, and he's been turning it over to the University of Manitoba, and so the uh, Canadian UFO material from the government and Chris's own material is now at the University of Manitoba, and they have. Uh, $25,000 to scan it all, uh, which came from donations from people. And, you know, COVID stopped the scanning project, but now it's uh, it's scheduled to start again. So that material is in Canada. And Canada does not believe in classifying UFO material. They believe it should be unclassified. So things in the United States uh, uh, that are classified are not classified in Canada. And like uh, the service reports, uh, Canada 
freely distributes that to civilians. But in the United States, it took us it it took us uh, um, several decades to get the United States that they even had files of these reports. Um, and they still, you know, they, they kept them. What they said they did before is they destroyed them. Well, that was, you know, that's bullshit. But the Canadians, their service reports are, uh, they're not, uh, uh, they're not classified. And they sent them to, uh, to Chris Rakowski and he, further, he sent it to the University of Manitoba. So that's where they are. And they, they're getting uh, service reports right up to the current time. Service reports started in the United States in 1951. Uh, UFOs were part of the, the one category of things that was reported on these uh, service reports. They're, they're called Communications Instructions. Uh, for reporting vital intelligence sightings, and it, it's pronounced service. And uh, they started in 1951 reporting UFOs under this um, emergency system of, uh, you know, if somebody, if a pilot or a ship's master sees something, you're supposed to report it under this system. Now, the Americans have uh, made just a few of these things available to the, uh, the public. Otherwise, they're classified. Now, Canadians, they joined the system in 1956, I think it was. Uh, recently, more recently, after Project Blue Book closed, um, the Canadians said, well, uh, any reports we get are going to be unclassified, and we're going to send them to this Chris Rikowski fellow and, uh, uh, at the University of Manitoba. So uh, he has present-day service reports, and occasionally he puts uh, one or two as an example on, uh, on uh, Facebook. So if you want to look up Chris Rakowski and go to his uh, Facebook page, you'll find official Canadian documents that have been sent to him by the Canadian government that he has made available. And hopefully the University of Manitoba will start scanning these and they'll be available. And it's, it's like a window into what the United States is doing because the Canada and the United States have cooperation through NORAD and other places. So it's like an unclassified uh, uh, country with UFOs and sitting right next to the United States which everything is classified. So it's kind of funny. Well, under different people's spelling. Uh, do you think because a person was in uniform like Jim Penniston, John Burroughs and Jim Penniston on the uh, 
Rendlesham Forest case, uh, have have they just melted away? Uh, I don't understand no, Pendleton how people. Got, uh, one of the one of the reasons, uh, I think it was John Glenn, and also uh, uh, Senator uh, um, uh, McCain. Pendleton got uh, a, a disability pen, uh, pension for uh, Ronald Syme. Uh, Jim Penniston did for Rendlesham yeah. Forest. Right. Really? Yeah, the the, the uh Glenn and uh uh McCain uh intervene intervened with the VA on his behalf. Do you have because a copy was, of that he letter? Injured. He said he was he was permanently injured because of that encounter. <laughs> Okay. Do you have a copy of that document? No, I don't. Where would we get a copy? Uh, you should be able to find it online. It's so uh, notorious. <laughs> notorious. Uh, were there some controversy over it? Uh, of course there was controversy. The the, the senators had to uh, intervene in the case. My. <clears throat> so, you know... So things have changed even on that, and yet they don't know about files, or they don't know, and yet that's amazing to me. Well, how are we doing on anybody coming forward? Of course, we've been mourning the Queen's loss, uh, and that's all local you know, timeline, so we'll put that on here about the Queen's passing and mourning that. Well, uh, uh, Dave, Dave Marler went up to um, Ohio and he spoke there. And, uh, you know, three people that are old like me went up and met him and said, hey, we want to send our collections to you. Uh, and? And, you know, we've got to find room for him. I mean, like I said, uh, Dave and his wife are going to live in tents outside, and the UFO stuff is going to be in their house. <laughs> going to take no. over their house. No. So. <laughs> and uh, my goodness, this is getting one of, uncreative. One, one of one of the one of the guys that used to be in. In New Hampshire, you know, he went up there after the uh, uh, the Exeter UFO sighting, and he specifically took a job um, so that he worked three days a week, and two days a week he did UFO investigations. Now, uh, when when uh, Tom Tolene and I went up there, we interviewed him, and he said, well, I'm going to throw all this stuff away. And oh, I said, no. no, don't do that. He, I, I said, how much stuff do you have? And he says, i got 500 cases. Oh, and he my. said, it's all from a small part of southern New Hampshire, mostly the shoreline to about 60 miles in from the shoreline. And uh, including Exeter and all these other places, and he says I uh, uh, I started up here in the 1960s, 
uh, AF case, after the, and also the, uh, the Hills case, he said, I started up here after that. And I've been collecting UFO cases, and I have about 500 in my files, and they're all from this little area in southern New Hampshire. And I said, "What are you going to do with it?" He said, "Well, I'm going to dispose of them because they're, you know, they're they're getting in the way." And I said, "I I don't I don't think you should do that. I think we should uh, plan for, you know." Um, and he's older than I am, but he's he's chugging along fine, um, so he may outlive me. But he put in his will that his UFO files go to Barry Greenwood and myself. Ah, that's good. And well, more great. people should do that because um, a lot of times somebody dies and their relatives just throw their files away. Well, that's good intelligence to have out on the Internet and cyberspace. Is right. uh, so, anything to do with uh, our – well, this is just uh, general intelligence, folks, and it's free. And, you know, we provide this to you. He's helping you as us as an author. So there's, uh, there's, uh, uh, there's the, uh, um, uh, sign historical group, which is, is part of project 1947. If you go on there, if you look at the, uh, uh, the website page for Project 1947, if you go down to the bottom of the page, it says Sign Historical Group. Now, that's a group of historians that uh, uh, work on UFO material. And one of the things we did is uh, we had uh, uh, the proceedings of a UFO history meeting in 1999, uh, and one of the things we talked about is what's going to happen to your UFO collection when you die. And so uh, people listed what they have and where their material is going to go. And a lot of it's going to go to the Sign Historical Group, which is, you know, uh, Kufos is going to have it. So it's going to go to Dave Mahler. All right. So well, there's, folks, uh, there's, there's, uh, uh, this is, uh, this is, uh, something that needed to be done. So we, uh, we, we have suggestions about what should happen to your material after you pass away. And it's in this, uh, in this proceedings of the UFO uh, History Workshop in Chicago in from 1999. And there's also uh, inventories of various uh, UFO collections around the world, like Murray bought uh, his collection. Uh, now, I have, a, uh, I have material for Murray Bott's collection. Um, and he has material from... Um, uh, Sergeant Harold Fulton's collection, and he has other material from other people in New Zealand, 
and I have copies of that. Uh, his main files, I only have some copies of it, but I don't have I don't have everything. But uh, uh, somebody in New Zealand got the whole file, so when he dies, they're already going to go to Sweden and guys uh, uh, for the unexplained. That's where they're destined to go. But uh, I have a I have a lot of this stuff from New Zealand going all the way back to Sergeant Tolton when he was uh, he was in charge of uh, civilian uh, saucer investigations of New Zealand. So I have I have stuff that go, goes back to 1952, um, and that's going into the Kufos archives. And I've already uh, I've already scanned some of it. So, uh, like I said, we uh, uh, the uh, proceedings of the UFO history workshop uh, has a lot of uh, practical advice about UFO files, and it's free and it's online. It's at the Project 1947 website. Uh, it's segregated for the Stein Historical Group. Uh, and you can read uh, material from people like uh, 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 Pan American Airways uh, airline uh, uh, pilot, uh, Captain William uh, B. Nash, you can read uh, some of his material that's online there. So, uh, um, and the whole uh, idea was historical preservation of UFO material. So that that's that's been up there for years, for at least two decades now, and it's free. You know, you don't have to go to some conference and pay $1,000 for hotels and meals and conference. You just, it's just free. Well, we're over limits, uh, almost 30 minutes. We've just really enjoyed having all the knowledge you've shared. We had a lot to share, and they didn't cut us off tonight. So I guess we're very fortunate to have you tonight. and. A little late start, so uh, would you like to do this again? Are you back home or do yeah, you I'm back home, so I can I can do this again, and I you know I'm rested up pretty well. All right. Well, how about next Saturday, same time, same station? Unless you do agree to start doing uh, video as well as audio, that's up yeah, to you. Yeah, we, I need, we need to arrange the video. You know, who wants to see my ugly face though? Um, well, I think it's it's heraldry. It's, it's useless for uh, scaring children. That's about the only thing that's worth it. Well, we all get older. Way. We're not the same we were, but uh, we could have both. Uh, if all you feel like oral reports is one thing when you feel like it, or an hour. We don't have to do two hours. We can do one hour. I pay $40 a month anyway. Uh, and usually don't use it every month the way I should, but that's for oral. And then we can have video. I've just got to see where we got it. I think the MP4s are going to take 
more, but we can just leave it on YouTube for Google. It's we're doing it open source anyway, so we're not trying to make any money off sharing knowledge before we pass over transition. Right. So yeah, um, um, Richard Haynes' we, material is uh, unrestricted, so okay. anybody can use it, and uh, that's the way I want to do my material unrestricted. Well, let's do that and talk about that next week uh, on our oral report. And then sometime during the week, I'll see if I can get you to do a video. It'll probably just be an hour, but uh, we'll do the two-hour like we've been doing because we've actually done almost two and a half hours tonight. So once you get going, if you're feeling like it and you've got a glass of water there, we'll keep you pumped up with what it is that you want to leave behind orally because you get a lot of information out for people. We really need to have them where they can at least find the oral reports for training purposes, if nothing else. So we'll try to get uh, let a lot me tell of you, I got a I got a call from somebody in New York that has listened to some of these uh, podcasts, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, they were uh, uh, they were really happy to have that information. Well, good, Jan. I'm glad you got some feedback. That's very rare. From yeah, humanity. Uh, yeah, he is uh, very interested in some of the things I had to say, and also did a, a thing on Foo Fighters for uh, uh, um, uh, for uh, uh, another podcast, and he said I listened to that. He said. Uh, you didn't let the uh, um, you didn't let the podcast guy talk at all, and I said, "Yeah, I was I was rushing as fast as I could to get all the information out." And he said, "Well, I'm glad you did." <laughs> Good. Well, you keep doing that, and we'll keep showing up and provide you a platform here. It's open source for everybody. Anybody can use this and find Jan Aldrich right here, UFO Association. And we'll keep doing these oral reports for Jan and anyone else that wants to work with Jan on project1947.com. And then we, of course, always uh, promote KUFOs, NICAP, MUFON, project1947.com is his website. Uh, That's project1947.com. Anything else, Jan, uh, other than I need your – can you email me your – email me your – phone numbers again do you have okay, my email tj mars acir or tj mars agency but i've been using tj mars acir because my agency after all these years keeps filling up i have to go in and delete it because uh even my own geico insurance said you know they can't get me my thing because or my bill or something although i pay you know from the navy federal credit union but yeah I'm just saying that my my emails fill up, you know, too fast, 300,000. So I've been deleting as many as I can. And that's stuff we don't want to archive, folks. It's just that spam that comes from everybody else trying to sell you something. But, you know, we're going to do our best not to spam you. And if you want to be known, please let me know uh, if you want to come on and share your intelligence or research with Jan, let me know. And uh, 
Also, we have Ben Pelham, ET Research and Pelham Planetary, doing his uh, type of research on the moon for cyberspace culture as well. So uh, I'll do my best to help and get your video out next, Jan, for about an hour or so. But we're um, hooking up with several people around that do that so we can get you on here before you pass. And me too. You know, you never know from one day to the next. I had a very uh, a nice lady pass that really shocked me that uh, you never know, just like your sister, right, Jan? You didn't expect her to go when she did. No, I expected her to outlive me. And you see, yeah, you know, I'm, 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 left, uh, I'm left alone now, so. Me too. So we'll just stick together and do what we feel like we're called to do. It's like a mission on Earth to help others find their way and see how much work has been done to help others in their leveling up with uh, knowledge and knowing and awareness and how they can retrieve uh, physical uh, facts, artifacts, uh, clippings, uh, whatever. And Jan makes it real easy on project1947.com. And we will, uh, anybody that wants to be known as a ufologist, we sort of ask Jan to help train and compare. But uh, there's some clippings that we could get you to do depending on what state you're in. So it's all voluntary. And uh, Barry Greenwood, uh, Jan Aldrich. Anybody else you'd like to mention that works with you direct, Jan? Um, well, maybe next time we can go through some of these names. Okay, that'll be good. I still want to do our Who's Who directory. I just got to get permission from everybody, and I don't seem to get any feedback from Barry. So uh, we'll just start over again today. Nine seventeen twenty two. UFO Association Organization of Volunteers. That's all we are, folks. We're just hobbyists out here. But uh, there's a reason some of us are called ufologists, and we may can explain that in more detail later. And then we have our alienologists, which is a separate field of those out in the galaxy. Whether they're real or myth, myth that's for you to decide, and believe it or not, stuff, the high strangeness of it all. All right, love and light, everybody. Uh, we'll be here next Saturday and maybe before if I can find a place to plug in on YouTube for all of you guys, for the UAP Associates, and we have UFO Association. Thank you so much for taking your time and your valued life force with us here, Jan. I really do appreciate it, okay? And I'll okay. try to call you. Try to call you, uh Tomorrow afternoon or Monday afternoon. I'll just keep trying until I get you to answer at home. Afternoons are better, right? Not morning. Afternoons. Yeah, afternoons are better. All right. Thank you. Talk at you next. Well, I'll be talking to you on the phone. <laughs> okay. I just got to get, get more information on your cell phones. Okay. You you know how to text, right? Right. Have you got my 9100 number? No, but I have your uh, I have your text number, and uh, I think uh, I think you didn't get some of my texts. Uh, anyways, uh, all right. Yeah, we'll, well, uh, I'll, we'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, we'll try that right, next well, week. Okay. Well, I'll I'll just call you, and we'll talk about all the details. Love and light. Glad you're back, and thank you for sharing.
Okay. 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 Thank you. We're out of here, folks. Thank you so much. Huh. Trying to get out of here anyway. <laughs>